again, we're going to been been a better shout, you know, experienced, and it's um, I definitely, I think um, we are going to be uh, was greatly missed today. I'm sorry, I'm just here curious to hang on. Oh no! Oh no! I don't have to hang on. I don't have to hang on. I don't have to hang on. I Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week are Kieran Ashton. Kieran, hello. Hello, good to be back. I'm, I'm glad you're back, Kieran. Uh, Jamie McDonald's here. Jamie, hello, how are you? Above him, sad. Oh, I'm great, man. That was a great game. Enjoyed it. Oh, it was, it was a how classic. Life's good, life's good. David Forrest is always, always also here. David, how are you? Hello, I'm all right. Um, I'm very upset as a former golf to have my Christmas ruined by this um, game. Um, so, yeah, um, we're hoping to see you a wee bit here. Uh, we'll start this week with a, a listener question. Uh, Matt Greer, I don't know who that is, has got in touch and said, how many bottles of wine has the admin had? The answer is currently two, and it is rising. We will continue. Jamie, I'll come to you first. Um, we're in a group chat, and we discussed the, the team lineup with, with three sort of old midfielders, with uh, Shea Gordon and Blair Spittle behind Brian Graham up front. It wasn't the most exciting of teams on paper. What did you make of the team before the game kicked off, and then what did you make of it when the game kicked off? Confusing and still confusing. When the when the team sheet came out, I was trying to work out what that was. I sent into the chat what I thought it was. I thought we were playing five at the back with Yang in the centre half and a diamond in the middle. Evidently, we weren't. We ended up playing with Niang behind Brian Graham. Didn't work. We played with Shea Gordon out wide. Didn't work. Uh, and Richard Foster was remained at right back. Didn't work. Uh, this team selection just I don't know. It is ba- it is baffling to be honest. I just, I just don't understand why Richard Foster was picked again. Ryan Williamson has got to start next week, along with Blair Lyons if he's fit, and Blair Spittle through the middle with Conor Murray on the other side. I just I can't watch that team play again. The team selection was wrong today. I think everybody is in agreement that the team selection was wrong, and we didn't use any subs. Which We have five subs available. I've said it before on other podcasts, so have other people, that that's going to be a massive asset to us this season, having five subs. Because we've got one of the biggest squads in the league, if not the biggest. We've got good depth and we're not using it. What What is the point in this? I said to you guys in the chat, it reminded me of last season, Tuesday night against Alloa. It was a 1-1 game at Far Hill. Second half was awful. It was crying out for a change and we didn't make one. We didn't make a sub that entire game. Today's the exact same. It's crying out for a change. A Blair Lions, a Joe Cardo, Connor Murray, someone. Someone to come on and spice the game up to, you know, got to get Nyang off. You had to get Shea Gordon off. Someone like that. And we just didn't do it. We just did not bring anyone off. Williamson for Foster. All these 
changes were available. We just didn't make them. It is baffling. It's absolutely baffling. Kieran, it's your debut on the podcast for this season. You've obviously been on last season, but this is your, your first appearance this season. It's a bit of a Ben Hall debut, Kieran. You've come on at a, a very bad time. Um, Jamie's talked about the team there. What did you make of the performance overall? Uh, I've, gen- I've generally no words for it. Uh, generally, generally no words for it. I mean, the first half, um, I thought we, could, uh, we contained Cove well. I don't think they threatened as much, but really there was, there was no creative spark in the team at all. There was generally nothing to shout about. And yeah, I, I've generally, again, I've got absolutely no words. Um, questions really, really, really need um, asked him a call for the whole substitution thing after he didn't. Uh, make it, make a sub, you know what I mean? Why, why would you? It was crying out for a fucking sub and he didn't make it. Um, aye, I, I've generally no words for it. I, I sort of back up what Jamie and Kieran have said so far. Like, I, I'm a pretty staunch McCall defender. I think I've, I've sent a tweet out tonight saying that I'm a McCall man, but the five subs, Jamie said it on previous podcasts, the five subs should have benefited us. With Salim on the bench tonight, he got 20 goals in League Two last season. We had Ryan Williamson on the bench, an attacking fullback, Connor Murray on the bench, Joe Cardle on the bench. These are experienced wingers at championship level, never mind League One. And we never made a sub. David, I'll come to you. What did you make of the decision not to make a sub tonight? I know it's been discussed that oh, it's sort of shades of Alawa at home last season when McCall was trying to make a statement to the board that oh, he needs more additions to the squad and that's why he didn't make a sub. But McCall has been backed this summer and even in January. What did you make of the performance and why do you think Ian McCall refused to make a sub tonight? To be honest, I mean, for me, I think the issue is that, like, Cove really didn't do much through the game. I was really surprised at how lacklustre they were. I mean, after after speaking to Jamie Durant last week about how they played attacking, passing football, they like to play the ball about they don't sit in. No, they, they're not like your typical League One team. I was expecting, I mean, he'd, he'd predicted a two each, and I, I kind of expected, at, at the very least, goals, but it, even then, like, just a game, you know, where, you know, with chances and stuff like that. I think Keenan Wright had, what, two touches of the ball all game? And he, he looked, you know, he, he looked all right, but if, we're, if I'm trying to, you know, play devil's advocate here, the only thing I think of is, you know, the second half, we were all over them for most of the half. And the only thing I can think of is that, well, if we keep at it, if we keep palming at it, we will get a goal. Because I think we all assumed that we were going to get a goal out of it just because we were pressuring them and breaking them down and stuff and, you know, making it really difficult for them. And I think as well, obviously you look at, like, fitness and things like that in terms of, you know, bringing players on to freshen it up or if a player's having a bad game, then, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll bring somebody else on to kind of get a bit of fresh blood or something in there. But... Even in that instance, I don't know. I feel that he's maybe thought they they weren't going to score because I don't think any of us expected them to score. It wasn't like they'd been knocking on the door forever. They they'd done really nothing, and I think maybe McCall just thought they're not going to score. We're all right at the back. We're pushing forward and trying to make chances. It will come good eventually. That's the only reason that I can think of it because. I don't understand why a sub wasn't made. Really, in terms of. Again, like getting Salim on, playing two up front, something like that. Even just having like Senna set his attacking mid, him and Gordon on the left. It's it, it just bizarre. It was all at a place, and it just it just didn't really work. And you you look at the team, and you look at there's far more 
amenable players to play in that role that Senna was playing. And I think even Senna would admit that. No changes or anything like that. Because it, it wasn't like Senna had an amazing game. He looked a bit lost at times. and Yeah, I, I just don't get it. It's, it's really bizarre. David, I know that when Mark was on on the Halloween special, when he said that Bryn Halliwell was problematic, I said that that was the most diplomatic that Mark had ever been. But when you said that Mo Niang was didn't have the best game tonight, that's probably the most diplomatic you've ever been. Jamie, we didn't make any subs, and I know you've been a firm supporter of the five subs rule because you think it will benefit us. What subs would you have made today? Uh Taken off Niang and I would have moved Spittle into number 10. I would have then, for Niang, and I brought on Joe Cardo. I'd have taken off Shea Gordon and I would have brought on Blair Lyons. I'd taken off Richard Foster and I brought on Ryan Williamson. That's just off the top of my head. Three subs that we could have potentially made to shift the game about. No one else was really having, a, no one else was poor enough to take off, I wouldn't say. It wasn't that Shea Gordon was bad, but it's just he's not a winger. It doesn't work with Shea Gordon out wide. Niang does not have the technique to play far forward. So those are the subs that are definitely made. I know we had other people on the bench, a couple other options like Charlie Riley and you know like uh, Salim. We could have brought them on as well, but they're the three I would have definitely made. And I, I think we could, it could have made a difference putting Spithel in number ten and having Cardo and Murray or Lyon, someone out wide to give us a bit more speed, give us a bit more width because we were just so narrow today, and it's just, it's just infuriating to watch. It's just so concerning. That's two dreadful away performances in a row. It just looked like we were settling for a point at the end. Obviously now, I've taken a point now, but I mean at the time, we just looked like it didn't look like we were going for the win given the fact, given the lack of substitutions made it look like we were settling for a point in some ways. Kieran, we obviously had uh, your namesake, uh, Kieran McKenna, out today. We've had Tamil Ware injured for all of the season pretty much so far. He's come under some fan criticism, Tamil Ware. He's not at the best time of it since he got injured that knee injury up at Tandage obviously how much do you think Tam Aware would benefit this side at the moment? I think it would um, benefit us greatly um, it would like, certainly do better than Breen like we've seen, we seen it last week um, where he was just panicking and put, putting the ball at every opportunity and again today he was doing the, he was kind of doing the same thing so I, I generally think we did we did miss um, Aware you know an experienced head in the team you know what I mean? David I know that Jamie said at the start of the podcast, what sort of changes and substitutions you'd like to make today? Kieran's obviously said that we missed aware today. I actually thought Breen was okay today. I know I've been pretty critical of him. I didn't think he was great in the St Mirren for one. I didn't think he was great last week. We're playing Falkirk at home next week. If you looked at the start of the season, it's probably like the big title battle, part of Thistle versus Falkirk. I, I I think they're the only full-time teams in the division. I know Airdrie are sort of part full-time. But what changes would you make? I know we ask this every week. But what changes would you make to the team next week? I mean, I, I do kind of have to echo Jamie Settman. In terms of the subs that he made, they're very similar to what I'd be having starting. Obviously, we talk about Blair lines and fitness. We talk about every player on this team in fitness, to be honest. But this is his bread and butter. This is like, you know, week one, big clashes. That, that, he, he excelled in this at Montrose last year. And I think that he should be starting. I think definitely Spittle should be in there too. Graham up front, obviously. Yeah, so I would say keep Barnes and Docker in midfield. I think you need that number 10. I think, think having Spittle as a 10 would really help with Graham there. And in terms of the defence, I mean, like Penrice has been, I think Penrice has been consistently quite good 
I don't think he's had any really, really bad performances or anything. I think he's very much merited keeping the squad. But yeah, I know we talked about it last week, Williamson or Foster. Foster wasn't great today. Falkirk have shown last year they're not infallible. Um, they can be beaten, and if you go at them, you can you can take points from them. We really should be taking the game by the scruff of the neck, and I think that having Williamson in there will help. I think James Penrice is, alongside Darren Brownlee, been our best defender this season. And I know that's probably an unpopular opinion amongst especially social media contributors who seem to not like James Penrice that much. I think James Penrice has been excellent this season. I don't think he can be put to blame for anything that's really gone wrong this season. I think James Penrice has been really, really good, really strong. As he's not here to join us this week, Manpreet has recorded his own thoughts on the game and a section we're going to call Can You Hear the Manpreet Sing? Manpreet 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 See the fucking worst part about today losing right was the fact that we had 90 fucking third minute right he, like, Ross Doherty what the cunt's called is McCall's captain for the last fucking five years punt it out the park mate just fucking send it into the fucking industrial estate or something mate send it out the park do not let them score and he just punch it right back into the fucking middle and they score from it they had no shots on target for the whole fucking game apart from the 94th minute and they score for it Apart from that, McCall, mate, we've got five subs in this league. Five subs. And we've got the biggest squad by about five or six pools. You make subs, mate. You get fucking Conor Murray on at halftime. You get Bill Lange on the 60th minute. And you fucking go for it. We sat in with new subs. They used five subs, mate. There was, uh, there was five fresh players compared to all zero players that started the fucking game. And that's what ended up costing us in the 94th minute. You see the worst thing about it all, mate? It just feels like we're in a pure rot. It feels like that you beat Elderly. And it's one step forward, and then you lose today in the ninety fucking fourth minute, and it's just two steps back. Like all the hard work that you worked for the other day is just all gone at the window now. Like we're, we're now three games off top of the league. Do you know what I mean? Like we're, we're literally at the point now where Falkirk is a must win. If we don't win next week, we could literally be five games off top of the league. Five games in a twenty-seven game season. Do you know what I mean? Like well, fuck it. But we could genuinely be properly properly have a mountain to climb. That fucking cunt better get a fucking grippy cell, man. Manpreet. 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 David, I'll come to you next. I know that we both met up in our growth in January. Uh, that was a particularly windy day and we didn't come out on top there. Are we concerned now that we are, we are one of those teams that are we a bit like Arsenal in the 2010s of the Premier League? We come unstuck when we come under difficult conditions. The wind was a big factor today and we didn't seem to cope with it very well. I mean, I, I would say I, I think we did better than we did against Arbroath with Scott Fox. With people literally in the crowd telling them to punt it into the sea uh, because it was to keep it in, in field. But like, I, 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 yeah, it's just, I think it's, I mean, similarly, Cove had similar problems last week at, at Peterhead, where they, they came unglued because they couldn't play their style of football because of, you know, the, the bad weather. The problem is, is the lower you get down the leagues, these things become an issue, and that really, it's that sort of grit that gives you the temerity to win 
League One being able to play in these conditions because nobody is under the illusion that you're going to go and it's going to be pristine pitches. You're going to have these awful, awful games and bad pitches. This is a bit of an anomaly, but it is something that's going to come up very often. And I, I don't know how you train for it, to be honest, unless you are like a broth. It is, it is concerning that they don't have that in their locker where they can pull it out, if you know what I mean. And We're going to talk about picks a lot as the streaming service. I know Thistle have sort of put some surveys out and Thistle's streaming service has actually improved since the friendlies. But what did you make of the streaming service today from Cove? It was absolutely awful. I mean, the commentary, the commentary was, I thought was fine and it didn't cut out a crash or anything. But this Pixelot camera stuff, is it's just so shit. It's so shit. It was focusing on a fucking paper plate that was dancing about the pitch the whole game and it was rolling about. And people, people are paying money to watch a paper plate roll about an astral pitch in the windy cove. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. I, a steward could get a better picture filming on his uh, iPhone, honestly, because... I just don't get who who looked at this system, who reviewed the system and was like, that's the one we're picking. It kept, you know, turning around, focusing on players warming up. Corner goes in the box, it goes down the other end. It's just it's just so bad. It's so, so bad. I just can't understand why this system was so... I mean, I'd hate to see the other options if this was the best one. I just... It's shite. I, I've not heard anyone go, like, Pixelot's good. I, I don't know. Have you heard anyone say Pixelot's good? The, the only no. thing I can say about Pixelot the thing is, is you were saying about you about the options, about you know, you take to see what the options were. If this was the best one, I don't necessarily think this is the best one. It was the one that was fully paid for by by Mark Miller or funded by it, where it was the cheapest, basically. Um, you're right. I mean, like, I watch a lot of lower league football and stuff like that, and like you, I mean, you you look at like for example, like junior teams, they'll put out like highlights packages and stuff, or put out full games and stuff. And it will it will look better than Pixelot because they're able to move it a little bit here and there. Whereas with this, I mean, there was times that it was just focusing on the manager, and it was bizarre. It was just uh, on the other end of the pitch. It was just it was just really bizarre. But um, yeah, it's it's not great, not at all. Uh, Jamie Brian Graham had a chance headed off the line tonight. Uh, is that the most exciting attacking play that we can generate? What did you make of our attacking play tonight? Uh, the big lack of it was the obvious point screaming out to us. I think we had three shots on target. Correct me if I'm wrong. Blissbill had one the first half, then the free kick, and then Brian Graham at the end. I, I can't remember anything else. Uh, Attacking-wise, we were pretty dull today. The lack of width was the main issue there. We only person I really remember putting in OK crosses was James Penrace. Richard Foster ballooned a few over the bar. Uh, that's about odd. I don't even know if they were meant to be crosses I don't even know but we were just really really lacked a lot going forward today it was just inf- it's infuriating to watch because we actually have such a good attack half of it's on the bench but we actually have such a good attack if you think about it Zach Rodden's also out injured but you've got Brian Graham you've got Blair Lyons Conor Murray got um, Joe Cardo we've got a lot of players Blair Spittle we've got so many players going forward we've got Shea Gordon I know he gets a lot of criticism for ghosting through games but he does have goals in them we have goals in this side and yet we're struggling to score we've scored two goals in three games in the third tier we've got the biggest budget in this league probably have the biggest squad in this league and the amount we're struggling it's just ridiculous I know we've mentioned it before but we still have two loans available I mean why are we not using them Zach Rodden is out for five weeks I wouldn't count on that not being longer probably not if he does come back he'll probably stub his toe or something in the locker room and he's out for another two weeks but 
honestly, I, you just we cannot rely on Zach Rodden being fit. I feel like Zach Rodden would be such an asset to have, but I just can't see us ever having that right now. So we need to we need to go into the loan market and bring in another striker because if Gra- Brian Graham gets injured and we are stuck with Salim as our only striker up until what January or something, it's just not it's not going to work. We need to bring someone else in, and at this rate, we might, depending on the fitness of some of our wings, we may even end up needing to bring in another wide player on loan. But we definitely need to bring in another striker on loan. Ian McCall, I am backing him, and I am a big McCall advocate, but. It's just his record. I saw someone post his record in the group, and it's actually re- record is really bad. I know for some of it, he didn't have his own team when he inherited Colwell's. He's had his own since January, and you know he had a was back in January, had a good window, but we still didn't perform. And he's had his own team in the summer, and we've not started well. I am still backing him, but he is skating on pretty thin ice now with a lot of the fan base, and you know the people who are backing him are gonna. If this doesn't improve, we lose to Falkirk next week. I, I mean, I think he's going to start losing a lot of the support. If you looked at this from an outsider's perspective and actually didn't know about the struggles of the club over the last few years, you'd be bewildered. It's just, I just don't understand what's gone wrong with this club. Well, I see some of the issues, but if you do think about it overall, where did this start? Where did this absolute mess begin? This week on the podcast, David Forrest spoke to Falkirk fan Robert Copeland about Saturday's game at Hill against Falkirk. Joined by Robbie Copeland, a football writer for 90 Men and Daily Record, uh, and also a Falkirk fan. Robbie, hello, how are you? Hey, David, how's it going there? Uh, not bad, not bad. Uh, well, I mean, obviously better than yesterday. <laughs> but, you know. um, so, yeah, obviously we're playing Falkirk at home at Farhill on Saturday. Um, we just wanted to get your thoughts on how, how have you viewed Falkirk's performance up to now in the League Cup in the first uh, games of the I mean, functional, I think. Like, Capable of getting results. I don't think we blew anyone away yet. Um, but I don't really think we're going to. I think we're just going to be the team this season that maybe picks up like one and two nils and that's going to be enough. That's probably how we're going to get there. But I mean, there hasn't been a game where I've been mightily impressed at the weekend. They're probably our best performance. But there hasn't really been a game where I've thought, oh, we're terrible either. So like, if that's going to be the way of it, that's going to be the way of it. Obviously, like, in terms of what the signings that Falkirk have, been made, have made this season, I mean, I think a lot of people last season maybe saw Falkirk in the same mould as ourselves and uh, this season, and that they'd built a team that arguably would be quite good in the championship. They built a team for the level above, so expecting to be promoted, um, you know, at the first time of asking, and obviously, you know, it it, it, it kind of didn't happen because of the situation in the world. So, I mean, in terms of the signings, did you have to do much restructuring after last season, or? Uh, how, how, I mean, what? I mean, yes and no. Um, we had a lot of players left over in two-year deals, um, like like Connor Salmon. What a masterstroke that was. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we, had, we had a few, we had a few left over, but we did have like, a bit of rebuilding to do. I think uh, the, the squad that McKinnon put together probably was fine. Like it was probably like under a manager who knew how to manage. They probably would have won the league last year, um, and you can see that we didn't do that much business in January. And when Miller and McCracken came in. Like we were probably about a week away from from winning the league, um. So no, we didn't have to do much. We signed a couple of strikers because we lost uh, Declan McManus, um. 
we lost our captain in Gregor Buchanan and we've not actually replaced him yet. Uh, so we haven't had to do that much. Uh, obviously, I did to play Ralston, which is massive. And um, Callum Morrison, who looks like he's going to be the, the kind of driving force. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's the same, I think the same kind of core as last season, just with a bit more quality added to it. And is there any any players that you think especially that we should we should be looking out for as, as a potential threat to Thistle? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think Callum Morrison is, is the one. Uh, Aidan Keena, uh, who we signed from Hearts as well, looked like he was going to be the danger man, but um, he's injured, unfortunately. So you've not got that to look forward to. But yeah, Morrison um, certainly is probably the quickest player in, in the league. Um, and Blair Alston as well, since we've started playing him at central midfield, he's, he's looked really, really dangerous. But yeah, I, th- I think if you're looking for a threat, prob- I mean, the strikers are okay. It's uh, Akil Francis and Anton Dowds at the minute. So they'll probably occupy the centre halves, but I think whether or not we win will probably depend on Morrison and Alston. How do you, do you see Falkirk going for it? Do you think they'll take the game by the scruff of the net, or do you think they're, they're going to do the, the League One special of just parking the bus and absorbing the pressure? It's hard to say, because like, us being away from home, I think... It's maybe fair to say that the pressure's on Thistle more than it's on us, kind of thing. So I could feasibly see yeah. us going there and just be like, okay, let's just take it easy, stand off a bit, let let them let them get themselves all nervous and then go for it for the last half hour or so. But I mean, alternatively, like I could I could see us going for it. So I, it's hard to call. We don't really have a like. Obviously, playing against Forfar is different to playing against Thistle. Um, like the way we played against Dunfermline in the League Cup, we 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 went for them. Um, but then we got absolutely pumped. Uh, so I don't know, maybe if we'll learn for that a wee bit and be a bit more cautious. I, I mean, that's how I would play it. I'd, I'd, I'd stand off a wee bit, um, take it easy and, and go for it in the later stages of the game rather than going for it from the off. But then again, if we get an early goal, judging for how bad your St. Thistle are, it could be a total pumping, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it is the sort of the anomaly that is Thistle and they, they could go out and win 5 0, they could go out and get beat 5 0. Yeah, exactly you never really know, so it's going to be an interesting game anyway. Definitely, it's, it's a bit of a dice roll of a game. I think there was a general expectation that Falkirk would get a League One on the first attempt. Obviously, the world kind of got in, in the way of that, and as yeah. you're saying, you, know, you, were, you were close to it, and then obviously it was kind of curtailed. What what has been the Falkirk fans' reception to that? Have, have they begun to. Like embrace League One, or are they still just a case of I want off this hell over league? What what's the mood? Um, very, very, very much the latter. I think we want out, we want back into the Championship, um, because it's like, I mean, for for ten years there, like everything we're looking at is oh, it's fine, we'll be in the Premiership next season or whatever, and we've always had like you know, although it's been a pretty dry spell, we've had kind of cup semi-finals and cup finals, um, to punctuate it a wee bit, so. But now it's very much just like if we don't get out this season, then I don't know. <laughs> it's just it's not it's not fun being in League One at all. Um, but I don't I don't really think that like we really feel obviously we feel that like we're a bit hard done by by the season being called early. But I think the general feeling is do you know what we weren't good enough to win it. So like we might have been top the next week or race might have been it doesn't really matter. We didn't deserve to win it. I don't think I don't think anyone thinks that we did. So we are where we are on merit. Um, but but no, we want we want out as soon as we possibly can. Final question that we have is customary for when we get uh, fans of opposing teams on. Do you have a prediction for a score on Saturday? You can be as negative as you like. 
Oh, don't ask me that. I, I'm going to give it. A, I'm going to give it two each because I don't think either team is particularly good at the back. Our centre halves are atrocious at the minute. It's uh, Mark Dornan and um, Ben Hall, who you'll know. Um, who just I mean, they're both probably okay centre halves, but neither of them are leaders. Uh, so we will concede. Don't doubt that at all. We will concede, but uh, I think we've got enough about us at least to get a point. Um, and I'd be quite happy with that, to be honest with you. Thanks again, Robbie, uh, for joining us. And uh, good luck for the rest of the season, apart for Saturday, obviously. Hi, I will. We'll be talking again afterwards, right? I'll come to you. Obviously, we've talked about a wee bit about Ian McCall's job security, and we've all sort of agreed that he's okay for now. But after that today, is this Falkirk game at a must-win for Ian McCall? What's his status at now? Is he under pressure? I would, I would say after today, yes. Um, I, I think if we don't win um, next week against Falkirk, I think we can. I, this is probably going to make me sound like a complete and utter doomer, uh, doom and gloom merchant, but generally I think we can forget about promotion if we, if we don't beat Falkirk next week. But um, it's going to be a massive game. I mean, every every game in this league is also a massive game, but I think if we, if we don't win against Falkirk, I'd, I'd, I'd generally have no hope for this season, um, especially after this week's performance. Um, it's an absolute joke, to be honest. Um, Cab Dust on Twitter has got in touch and said, would, would you agree or disagree that there is a fundamental problem from top to bottom at the club. Do we need to change the personnel at the top to actually achieve anything within the club? What do you make of what's happening at Thistle at the moment, Ken? I mean, to be honest, um, I don't know because, um, like, even with the whole, like, we've generally heard nothing about the whole uh, the, the the fan ownership really. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's just a, a, a scapegoat, but a scapegoat. But there's but there's something really been been something really wrong um, at, at the club for years. You know what I mean? We went from we went from like top six to this absolute shit. Uh, I generally just I, I generally don't know what's happened. I generally just think it's a it's a mix match of factors. I don't know if there's one sole thing. I, I, I can I can I can understand why people are why people are, are screaming for a change from top to bottom. But you know that that could. That it could work, but it could also completely like just ha- like how ha- that hinder the club even further. So you you just don't know. Yeah, on that, who's gonna come in if McCall goes? I'm not being a blind McCall backer. I do. I want to give him some more time, but if things go as they are, he's not he's not immortal. We can't just keep going because he's Ian McCall. But who's gonna come in? I mean, imagine Archibald got appointed. Just the fan base will go into meltdown if he got yeah, put in as the replacement. <laughs> But the thing, the thing is, though, it just the club has been in turmoil for the last three years, and it's just this constant wheel of change and the same people leaving, and then they come back. So David Beattie, they all left after we got relegated, was replaced by Jackie Lowe. Jackie Lowe then sacked Alan Archibald, 
who David Beattie wouldn't sack and appointed Gary Caldwell. Jackie Lowe then got ousted and David Beattie and that came back. They sacked Gary Caldwell, brought back Alan Archibald, then they left, now Jackie Lowe's back. It's just it's just an endless circle of people leaving and coming back. And honestly, if Ian McCall got sacked, I wouldn't, wouldn't half expect him to come back in a year's time as the kit man or something. Honestly, it just things are not changing and Neil Scally is a steward in the Jackie Osmond stand. People just keep coming back <laughs> and leaving this this club. It's actually getting better. <laughs> It's just a me- even players. It's a merry-go-round. Look, Scott Fox left. He came back. Blair Spittle left. He came back. It's just a merry-go-round of people, of players, of staff, of everyone. People just keep leaving and coming back. Earlier this week, I spoke to ex-Partick Thistle goalkeeper Torsten Stuckman about his spell at Firhill. Now joined by ex Partick Thistle goalkeeper Torsten Stuckman. Torsten, hello. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Hi, thank you. I'm really well. Obviously, uh, it's a difficult time at the moment, but yeah, me and the family are all healthy, so that's the most important thing. That's good to hear. I'll go on to your time at the club, but I just wanted to start with the beginning of the, your career. You had nearly 300 se- senior appearances in Germany before you got moved to Preston in 2011. Did you always see a move abroad coming? Was it your dream to play in England, or did that sort of come out of the blue for you? It was kind of a plan for or, or a dream of me when I was younger, when I was early 20s, I would say, um, because obviously my size, I thought, oh, it's quite a physical game in England. I didn't know too much about it, and, but it was always something I was thought, oh, yeah, that would be nice, but never really pushed it to any level. Um, and then when I realized that my contract in Aachen in, in Germany in the second Bundesliga wasn't, uh, that they wouldn't extend it because of an injury of mine, um, we just opted up what, what the options would be from uh, where we could be. I had an offer from, from Greece and, and then the opportunity came to have a, um, a couple of trials in England. And I said to my agent and uh, to my wife as well, that would be nice to, to just to try it and see how, how far I can go and where could it take us. And obviously, looking back, it uh, was the best decision for me and uh, for us as a whole family. Um, in, uh, yeah, yeah you had three and a half, well, nearly four years at Preston before moving to, to yeah. Doncaster. Uh, you stayed for a year. You then obviously signed for Partick Thistle, which I think is what uh, everyone's listening for. How did your move to Thistle, Thistle come about? I think you signed when Thomas Cherney, the first-choice goalkeeper, was was injured. Um, did that did that come out of the blue for you? Was that I know you it was September when you signed. Is that what you were looking for? Sort of goalkeepers getting injured to come in, or did you still see yourself as a number one? Um, well, uh, at this time uh, of of the season, I was thinking, I was hoping, oh, you just have to hope that so- either someone gets injured or the club's not happy with the performance of the number one or something like this. So um, we got relegated from Don- uh, in Doncaster to League Two. Well, we we um, cancelled my my contract by mutual consent um, because Darren Ferguson doesn't didn't really want me to to play for Doncaster anymore. I didn't fancy to play League Two, and um, so I was a free agent and kept fit at at Barnsley at the time. And then my agent Colin Murdoch rang me and said, "Listen, there's there's an option to to be uh, to play for for Patrick Thistle in the uh, SPL." And would it be an option for you? And I said, well, yes, of course. And because it was only because Thomas was injured, 
Um, it was a short-term deal, only till till the end of uh, start of January, and I said, "Well, that's fine. I, I go on my own. My my family would stay in Doncaster, and then obviously, if it would have been extended, we have, we would have then discussed um, to move the the family over or not. But because it was only a short-term contract at first, it was was a no-brainer for me because they had the option to to play in a Premier League." To play, um, to play first-team football, that was the most important thing, to get back on the pitch, to be back in training, and um, it was a great opportunity to, to come along, to be honest. Did you know anybody at the club at the time? Uh, Adam Barton, because I played Adam, Adam at Preston. Um, did Adam did he have a word with you? Not beforehand, no. no. Um, obviously, he was happy to see me um, when I turned up at the training ground. I knew um, goalkeeping coach from, yeah, obviously, because he's got this um, glove company as well. And he played yeah. for Accrington Stanley when I was um, at Preston. So I knew a little bit about him. Uh, we had a good chat. And uh, apart from that, I didn't know anyone, no. What did you make of the, the coaching team at the time? I know Alan Archibald, he was quite a popular figure with the fans. And that he was the season you were there, that was a sort of him at his peak. Uh, what did you make of the coaching from him and from Kenny Arthur, the goalkeeping coach? Did you enjoy it? Um, yes, really. I, I, I'm still in touch with Kenny. Um, every now and then we have a, we, we, well, we send us text messages or anything and um, still I think Kenny was a great goalkeeping coach from, from, the, from how he knew what he needed as a goalkeeper because he played it himself. He's not some goalkeeping coach forget about uh, how it is to be a goalkeeper and how hard it is sometimes to train and what you need, but he didn't. So it was good. Uh, he was always listening, open, open for, for your opinion and stuff like this. So that was good. And, um, and Archibald as well. Uh, I think at the time when I was there, he, he did a good job. Um, obviously, he committed himself to Patrick Thistle as well, because he had, I think it was, I was only there for two weeks, and then the, he had the option to go to, to Shrewsbury, and he turned it down yeah, because of Patrick Thistle. And what we were able to achieve and i think coaching wise it's always good to have a new coach as well to see different angles how someone doesn't work and the hardest thing for me was the scottish accent <laughs> to be honest <laughs> um in his first team meeting when when i played at it was i think my my first game was at st johnston i thought like yeah, you, you keep telling. I, I think I know what I have to do. <laughs> I have to keep the ball out of the net. Obviously, that was the, that was the, the hardest thing to get used to the, the Scottish accent um, in these team meetings. You mentioned there um, Alan Archibald had an offer from Shrewsbury. Um, I think that's been sort of rumoured and a lot of fans know. Was that common knowledge amongst the players at that time? Did all the players know that? Well, it was um, an open rumour to say it, yeah. you can say it like this. Um, he didn't didn't say it to us, but um, obviously some some of the players had a good relationship to him, and he said I think he made it quite clear that he didn't really want to leave the club, and that was all right. That was good for us because I thought it 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 really helped us as a players to know where we are, to know what um, the coach or the manager wants from us, and to know that the that the gaffer is staying as well. I think it's it's important for the players that they know the gaffer commits, uh, likes them and wants to work with, with us as a team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you made your debut after um, Ryan Scully got injured quite late on in the game. As a goalkeeper who's sitting on the bench, are you, I'm not saying you're wishing ill on fellow professionals, but are you desperate to get on the pitch or are you just are you sort of in the mind that you're not going to get on that game? What is the sort of mindset of a substitute goalkeeper, especially when it's late in the second half? 
and maybe you're thinking, oh, this is just going to play out again and I'm not going to get a chance. I think it was at Dundee, wasn't it? Was I think it was Dundee, yeah. Yeah, Dundee. Um, well, it, it, it's something like you, you don't really want to get the other, the, the other keeper one, uh, gets injured. But on the other hand, it's the only chance for you to, to get some game, game time in, uh, at this um, stage of the season, I would say. I wouldn't say in the game because obviously as a goalkeeper and um, obviously as a, especially as a second goalkeeper, uh, I think the mindset is the most important thing. Because you know you won't be, there's the number one, he's playing and um, you won't be starting for, for a long time it's if there's not an injury or something. But on the other hand, you have to keep fit all the time. You have to be prepared to, to be in the position, to be able to play. And I, I played a lot of games for Preston. Um, but on the other hand, I was also second choice behind Declan Rod or Sam Johnson, who is now at uh, West Brom um, in our promotion season. So I knew exactly how important my role can be to, to on the one hand, talk to the other players, um, on the other hand, to to make sure the other goalkeeper, the, the number one, is ready to play. And um, it's all about, it's, sometimes it's about your service as well in the, in the warm-up. If you don't serve right, he can't get ready or you, you disturb his preparation for the game. And at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's a team sport and it's all about the team and the team should be number one position that's that's all uh, that's how i treated it all the time and so it's it's a mindset to to always be ready and you always know that there's something can happen and if the injury came along uh, with uh, ryan obviously from my perspective it was just uh, i think kenny turned around and said i think you're in and then the adrenaline kicks in and um, everything else from there is, is fine. You just, in your normal routine, you don't really need the warm-up. I've, I've touched the ball once um, and then all it is about just, just manage to get the game um, over the line, which we did. Um, and uh, it, because of the adrenaline, it's not too difficult. I think it's, it's harder when you um, come in in the first 10, 15 minutes of the game, because then it's a long game and then you haven't had your normal preparation for the game, which you need. But in the, in the last couple of minutes, it, it doesn't matter. It's just adrenaline. You get through it. Yeah, you obviously got your chance at Dundee and then you played a handful of games for Thistle. Uh, yeah. One of the most notable was at home to Rangers. That was the first time we'd played Rangers in the league at Hill in, I think, 12 or 13 years. It's obviously that's a huge game for the fans. Did you get a, a sense of how big a game that was for the club? Oh, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, obviously, my first game for Partick Thistle um, to be involved was away at Rangers yeah. um, in, the, in the first game. And uh, I was, obviously, I came from Doncaster. Was, and I, I fully understand why uh, Alan, why he chose Ryan to play. Obviously, he knew everything about him. I came in the club and knew um, Thomas was injured and was hoping to play in the game as well. But that's a disappointment you as a goalkeeper have to have to live with. And um, on the other hand, it's not my decision. It's the manager's decision. And that's absolutely has to be respected. Um, but then on the other hand, I was so happy um, to play against Rangers on home turf because I knew how big of a game it was um, for me as well. Um, I, as a player from, from abroad, I knew about the club, I knew about um, the league as well, but obviously Celtic and Rangers are the two biggest clubs in Scotland. And for me, it was great to play against them in a, in a competitive game. On the other hand, I had Joe Garner on the other side, um, who was a striker at the time for, for Rangers, who was my teammate. We had a car school to training at Preston for three years. Harry Middleton was there as well, who I played with at Doncaster, but especially with Garns. Gave it a, another special thing. 
And then to see Perhill being um, sold out was great. And it was great atmosphere, great game to be involved. Unfortunately, um, it was my last game for the club as well because Thomas was back fit um, after that. Yeah, I just want to touch on some of the players you played with, uh, particularly in the defence. You had um, you mentioned Adam Barton in front of you. You had Danny Devine in front of you as well. Yeah, I knew and, Danny as well for my time at Preston because Danny yeah. was at Preston as well. And uh, Liam Lindsay, that was his sort of big breakthrough season at the club. He ended up getting transferred for a quite a considerable Barnsley, fee yeah. uh, to yeah. Barnsley. Yeah, he's obviously not had a a great time of it in the last couple of months, which is a shame because like we we we've been looking out for him like obviously every week to see if he's getting getting games. But could you see in training and in the matches that he he would sort of develop into somebody who's capable of playing in like League One winning sides down in England with Barnsley and then in the Championship? Could you see that he had potential to be a really yeah. good centre back? Yeah. Yes, of course, because he was quite young. I don't know how old he was, actually, 21, 22, maybe at the time that, that I was yeah. there, or 20. Um, but he was a good centre-back. Um, he was a bit, I think he was a bit clumsy, so um, still at times where you just see, obviously, that's the age you have to learn. You have to be, he had to work a little bit more on his agility, his speed. But that's all things you can work on. But he had the commitment to go in every tackle to win it. Uh, he wasn't probably the best from playing out from the back, but he, he was still good, but not probably not the best at the time. But from defensive-wise, he was by far the best defender in um, in the team. I think Alan made a good decision to put um, Adam Barton as a um, because we played three at the back at the time to put Adam in the middle because I played when I played with him at Preston, he was a perfect midfielder, and because of his um, skills and everything, um, I think he won player of the season from um, that season as well. You could see um, his class in, um, in, at, at Thistle, and I think the perfect position for him, because he's not the quickest, Adam, but he is um, technically really good. The, the middle role in the number three was perfect for him, because then he had Danny and um, Liam around him just to do the hard work. I would say, but when it goes about building up um, the build-up play from the back, Adam was perfect, and um, I think Liam, great defender, especially I think especially for League One or Championship level in in England, because of his physical presence, he's he's really good and he can make his way through. And yes, he has a difficult time at the moment, but he's still young. How old is he now? Middle middle twenties, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Still plenty of time, and obviously you have to go through these hard times as well as the players. It's just how it is in football. Yeah, absolutely. Just a couple of things I just wanted to touch on before we finish. You've obviously played in England and Scotland, and I know the two leagues get compared quite a lot, eh, obviously because they're neighbours. Um, what do you make of the sort of contrast and styles between the English game and the Scottish game? Are they noticeable or are they, they not so noticeable? Um, yes and no, but I was really surprised how good the football technically was compared to League One. Um, probably was because of Alan wanted to play out from the back as well. The way we played, the the style of play we had was compared to Doncaster, where where I was before and Darren Ferguson was manager, was completely different. It was really pass it through the thirds and and, um, I wouldn't say pop it around, but um, really a nice football. And it wasn't as physical as it was in, um, in League One in England. And I, I really enjoyed it because you were able to play out from the back and play the ball through the thirds. It was not just rude one football to get it as quick as possible into the strikers. It was, it was really technical and more like the German game, I would say, than the English. Because um, compared to, um, to the English to League One and um, Championship, 
the German Bundesliga, second Bundesliga, it's all about playing out from the back and obviously develops even more now. Um, but even nowadays, my days, um, it was like play out from the back, a really, really tactical side where in England, um, from my opinion, it was, yes, play through the thirds, but make sure you get it as soon as possible into the thri uh, strikers and then you play from there. Where I think in Scotland it was through the thirds and really good and and that's probably the difference between England and, and League One and Championship and, and the SPL. Uh, that's quite interesting. Um, just to touch on before we finish, um, you had a, after leaving Thistle, you had a, a spell at Chesterfield and then you went back to Germany for, to Fortuna Dusseldorf. Yeah. And since you retired, you've, you've done some punditry on the TV and I believe you're, Have you uh, you're now... Well, uh -huh. I hope it wasn't too bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 very enjoyable. Um, and I think you're now doing some work for the German Players Association. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yes. I went when I when I finished at Thistle. Obviously, the uh, the thing was Thomas was back fit and um, he was the number one keeper. And they said, listen, because Thomas is back fit, uh, we can't um, we can't give you a new deal. That's fine. And I went back to Doncaster, kept fit uh, just for myself. And then Chesterfield, because it's just around the corner from Doncaster, came across and said, listen, would you, we, we are in need for a goalkeeper. And your former um, gaffer was my coach there. Um, what's his name? Gary Caldwell. Gary, yeah, oh, Gary we, we, don't, we don't speak about him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Gary was the coach uh, or the manager. And um, I just said, listen, that's perfect for me because I just want to finish the season here and then my boy can go, or my eldest one, can start school in Germany with six and we can move back to Germany and um, and and that's fine. So it was good for me to finish uh, the season in, in England and then we had a clear cut and went back to Germany and then um, the option came with Dusseldorf to, to, to go there and it was really, really good. I got promoted to the to the Bundesliga with Dusseldorf as a second, third choice, uh, yeah, number, as, a, as a substitute goalkeeper. The second choice was injured, and I, I then came in yeah, for the second time of the season from, from winter onwards. It was great to get promoted to the Bundesliga. Unfortunately, I pulled my biceps tendon in um, April and had to retire because of this injury. And uh, yeah, after a long rehab for a year and a half, or nearly two years, um, I started working for... Obviously, I did my punditry, um, punditry which what you said beforehand as soon as i came back for the german football league i really enjoy that and then i had the option to work for the german football association or players association and it's really good especially in the um covid 19 um time at the moment we are in touch with a lot of players and uh, and it's good to to have a look on the other side of the football business as well it's really interesting is that where you sort of see yourself long term or do you want to get back to uh, punditry or coaching or? well i still do my punditry um, uh, that doesn't matter if I can go co do coaching or whatever I do. I still I will still do my punditry um, because I enjoy it so much and it's it's really good fun to to get in touch with the English commentators as well. But on the other hand, uh, yeah, I don't know where where it takes me in the in the long term. I want to do my goalkeeping batches. Maybe I will be a goalkeeping coach um, in the future. Uh, that's definitely an option for me as well. But I also enjoy the work on the other hand of the um, do the administration a little bit and stuff like this. So I just do my football management. Um, st I study football management as well to to have the option to 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 go in as a sporting director or whatever it, wherever it will take me. Um, and I really enjoy 
the opportunity to work for the um, PFA in Germany. And because I have the knowledge of the English PFA and the German PFA now, I think there's so much you can compare and where you can learn from the English PFA. Um, and to speak with the players, it's it's great um, to just to have the exchange with the players and um, tell them or, or or help them to um, create better opportunities and help them in the um, I would say work relations with the club and the, and the league. Yeah. Uh, just one quick final question. Do you, do you still look out for the Thistle result on a Saturday? You still definitely. I still, excellent. Uh, I, Top man. <laughs> I look out for every single result um, club I played for. Um, it's a shame where they, where you are at the moment. To be honest, yeah. um, I was. Uh, I don't know what happened at the club. Um, why they went down, uh, especially in the in the in the Premier League season. Why they went down there? Um, what happened that season? I don't know. And uh, yeah, I still look out for, for, for Thistle. I still look out for Doncaster, Chesterfield, especially Preston, because obviously I played in Preston for four years. Um, got a special place in my heart. I, went, I got promoted with them as well. Um, but uh, no, uh, I, I really, I, I can't wait um, for this pandemic to be over as well, um, to, to come back to, um, to Scotland or to England as well to watch the games. And um, Thistle is definitely on my list. I actually had tickets for a game at Hampton Park, but the US got cancelled. Um, but we were looking forward to it, to be honest, um, to, to come back to Scotland or to, especially to Glasgow as a family. And then I would definitely would have turned up at, the, um, at, at Firhill. Yeah, we'd we'll, we'll definitely love to see you back one day. Still got my tickets for the US and oh, <laughs> for Hampton Park. So whenever the US will be, I will come. So, hopefully, um, hopefully soon. No, I really appreciate your time. So, thanks for talking. Thanks for having me as well. As always, thank you for joining us on Draw, Lose or Draw. We'll be back next week to review our home game against Falkirk. Stay safe and wear a mask.